So I'm going to invite Wendy up to do our reading, and then Joe's going to come and speak to us. I'm just going to pray for Joe um, before he comes, and for Wendy. Father, thank you for those who bring your word to us. We thank you for all those who read your word to us. And we thank you for Joe this morning. We pray that you would speak through him by your authority in the name of Christ. Amen. The Parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for my extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's let's pray quickly. Father, thank you, God, for bringing us together this morning. I thank you for this fellowship that we have. And I pray that as we as we bring your word to to our ears this morning, that you would uh, that you would teach us. May we be open to what you have to say. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Joe. If you haven't met me before, usually found behind an instrument, but today I'm here, so I hope that's okay with you. Um, I'm continuing uh, the sermon series we have, Growing on the Front Line. To give you a quick recap, in case you weren't here, the first week we had Anita talking to us about uh, growing and growing and God empowering us wherever we are. So we had a very amusing uh, talking apple, if you were here. If we weren't, go back and watch that on the YouTube stream. And then Paul last week took us in a very practical direction. We really took time to stop and to be still and uh, to look at how we could be really practical about growing on our various front lines. This week, 
I feel like it's my task to try and take us a little bit deeper within that concept, not just looking at what we can do, but maybe more why we do it. The given title for this week was uh, for this week of our Growing on the Frontline series is Our Desires Influence Our Choices. As I took time to think this through, I concluded there was some very specific wording within that title. Because I agree, our desires do influence our choices. But what I wouldn't necessarily agree with might be our desires are the same as our choices. And there's a difference there. Our desires influence our choices. Our desires are not the same as our choices. And really, when I was pondering this, it took me to Romans 7, verse 15, when Paul says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. And what I want to do, I don't do. It's quite a wordy passage, but how relatable is that to all of us? I know what I want to do here, but maybe I don't have the confidence. I know what I should say here, or maybe what I shouldn't say here, but maybe just this once. And so when I read this, and I was called to speak to you on this day, I genuinely spent about three days stewing on this idea, because on one hand, I was told to, tell, to speak on how our desires influence our choices, but I was also reading how our desires have nothing to do with our choices. So I was rather confused. But that's when I think the clarity came in understanding that word influence and how important and how strong that word is. So to make it more, make more sense to me, I decided to simplify it. Rather than our desires influence our choices, um, as we have up on the next slide, I found it easier to say, we have some good desires, but we don't always follow them. That just made more sense to me, so we'll keep that one up there. Now, as Paul mentioned last week about Adam and Eve eating of the forbidden fruit, so began what we might call the archetype of sinful man, this idea that littered throughout the Bible is just constant reminders that as humans, we're not just imperfect, we don't just do things wrong, but maybe it's slightly more than that. We seem to just be so flawed in that we keep running after things that are not of God. Our desires cannot be completely pure because we dwell in broken bodies in a broken world. And so in other words then, the other thing we have, we have some bad desires and we sometimes follow those. It's pretty bleak. So what do we do with that? Well, as I say, the clarity comes in the word influence. If we then acknowledge that our desires influence our actions, how important is it that we focus our desires? If that is the one tool we have to really change how we act in this world, even as an influence, that becomes something really important for us. So, then the question asks, as I said, to go a bit deeper, then the most important question for us becomes, how do we shape our desires? And I think that comes from perspective. I'm going to tell you a little story. About 18-ish months ago, I should know the exact date, but I don't, I became a godfather. Yay! And there's baby Mia, she's very cute, I love her a lot. And a couple of months ago, um, I was staying around where she lives, and I was on the sofa, and then I think it was some, I would say, ungodly hour, some godly hour of like 6 a.m., very, very early, earlier than I normally get up. Baby Mia was placed in my lap, and mother left. And so I was left on my own with baby Mia. And in that moment, my desire was for the baby to stop crying, because it was upsetting me. Um, and so the easy option, really, with my desire for her to stop crying was, well, I could see some chocolate. That might work. 
I could see TV, that's gonna work. But actually, I had some perspective. I needed to have some perspective, which was, I don't want to give baby back to mum addicted to sugar and addicted to cocomelon or whatever TV show she was watching. I want to enable her to interact with people other than her mum and to be able to self-soothe and learn new toys and things like that, have good other positive experiences with other people. So from that changed perspective, my desire for her was changed from wanting her to stop crying to actually trying to engage her. And that changed directly how I then acted. When we seek God, there is something in the Bible of a promise of perspective. If we have the next slide, please. Or as Paul in, says in Romans 7.15, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So when we come to God, we allow him to shape us. Our perspective is moved more in line with God's. And that means, inherently, that we are viewing the world more from a perspective of love. And what greater motivator of our desires is there than love? Now, this isn't a wedding sermon, so I won't bang on about 1 Corinthians 13 and love being the best. It is, but that's another point. Um, if we acknowledge a relationship with God moves our perspective closer to that of Jesus' perspective and what it was here on earth, then we will surely look at the world from more of a standpoint of love when we, do, when we do so. Because if love really is the greatest, then surely that must influence how we choose to live. So, understanding this, it seemed to me to be something of a scale. If we have the next slide, please. If we use a slider as our graphic, on one end we have God's will, which is, you know, all that is pure, all that is good, all that is true. And on the other hand, we have the opposite, whatever you want to call that, depravity, evil. And somewhere along that scale, every one of us will fall in terms of our desires, in terms of our will. And it makes sense, really, because, sure, I have some desires that I know are of God, but I also am aware, as within that second point that we looked at earlier, I have some desires that are definitely not of God as well. And so this is really the key point of this idea. From wherever you may naturally sit on this spectrum of your desires, when you do life on your own terms, there is, or rather, there must be a positive shift towards God's will when we live with him. When we live with God wholeheartedly, there is a positive shift in our desires towards God's perfect will. And that is my challenge for you today. Those moments, those hours, those days where, you, where we, for whatever reason, decide to live on our own terms, to seek out and live our desires, how different do those moments, those days feel when we allow him to actually shape our perspective and our doings and our desires throughout those moments and days? How different does it feel to when we do life on our own? Because if it feels any different, which it should, then it's also going to look different as well. Our desires influence our choices. And really, our lives looking different is the point. Not in any vain sense, but instead as we seek to mirror God's love. As we bring up the next slide, on our passage for today, the Good Samaritan, it's about exactly that. 
and it's to mind the most, to my mind, the most classic of all traditional Sunday school stories. Because how simple is that message to simply love? And that's great. In many ways, the passage does have a very simple message, one which I would probably sum up as love counterculturally. I know we just heard it for for a bit of a recap. If you're not familiar, there's a man that's you know half dead, half naked on the side of the road and a priest walks past, the Levite walks past, and they don't help him. And then a Samaritan walks past. The significance being that Samaritans and the Jewish people, they weren't the best of friends. There was a real tribal rift there. There was a big cultural difference. And so seeing that, the Samaritan man sort of ignored that and went and instead loved as God, as Jesus would love. And actually, when I look at that passage... When I bring it up on my phone, on my Bible app, and as I did a, a minute ago, um, within that passage, there's one line where it says the man was a Samaritan. On my phone, there's then 11 lines saying how he loved. So how much more significant was it? Yes, loving counterculturally. But actually, the thing that we are looking at, that we focus on more within that passage, is just how much he chose to love this man. So, love counterculturally. It's a simple message, but there's just one problem. We need to apply that today. But this passage was given to a different group of people, in a different culture, in a different place, some 1,986 years ago. So, simple the message may be, but how we apply that maybe is not so simple. And too often, I think, we can gloss over the jump between understanding a Bible message on a Sunday morning to then actually applying that day to day as we live our lives. And that's really the point of this whole series, growing on our front lines, is to be able to make that jump between hearing something in our home groups or at church or reading something in your quiet time and then taking that with you into the everyday. But I figured it might be helpful to walk through this one um, with you. Because I think it would be quite easy to say, well, how do I apply this? Well, I just need to look at what I disagree with. The Samaritan man, you know, he saw, you know, I disagree with, you know, that because the Samaritans were shunned for the fact that they didn't always pray in the synagogues. That was one of the main reasons for that, for that cultural difference. And he's like, well, I disagree with that, so I'm going to go against that and love this man. But I don't necessarily think it's as simple as simply saying, what do I disagree with within a culture and going against it? I think the question we more need to be asking is, where is God's love missing from our culture? Because that was what it was. It wasn't that there's a cultural difference and that's unacceptable. It was, there's a cultural difference here, but within that, for some reason, we're choosing not to love each other as God would love. And that's what's really not okay. And so, where is God's love missing from our culture is the big question for us. Or today, for us, where is God's love missing from your front line or from the culture of your front line? And as we've just explored, for us to be able to answer that question, we need to see the world as God sees it. It starts, it can only start with us turning to God for our perspective to be changed, for our desires to be changed and shaped by him. So that's what we're going to be doing in a minute um, as we worship It's a time to come together, but to come to God with open hearts and open minds to allow um, our perspectives to be shaped and to be changed. So I'll just pray as we finish.
Thank you, God, that you're a loving God and that you don't just leave us to our own devices. As we go out into the week, as we go out into our front lines, we take your spirit with us to give us the words to say, to give us that strength, to, to give us that confidence, Lord. And so I pray you will equip us and empower us this week to go out and ask that question. Where is your love missing from this place? Where is your love missing from this culture? And help us to be that change, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>